Hoot 7 proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Reddish. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another edition of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. We're closing in ever so closely now on the NBL Finals. Plenty to talk about. There's been plenty of news floating around in the NBL world this week. We've had the league ha- handing out fines to owners and to, to superstar players. We've had, well, rumours circulating about the longest serving coach in the league potentially finishing up in the next week or two. We've got six teams still technically fighting out for the for the finals race. So I think it's realistically down to five. And as we record this show, the New Zealand Breakers are making one hell of a run after their win over the Brisbane Bullets on Friday night. So let's get into it. We're here thanks to Hoops Heaven. Head to hoopsheaven.com.au to check out all of the basketball merchandise and shoes and everything you can ever imagine. But I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, but let's get straight into it. Sean Reddish, the scoring machine. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Pikey. The uh, New Zealand Breakers just keep proving me wrong, I tell you. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I might have been a little bit premature last week on the show when I talked about how I feel like if they make the playoffs, they can go all the way to win the championship. But now that they keep winning, they're knocking on the door of the top four. And all of a sudden, if the Brisbane Bullets lose in Perth on Sunday this weekend, the, the Breakers will be in that fourth position, and it's almost their spot to spot to lose. All they have to do is beat the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix next week, and they're pretty much locked away. And what did yeah. you what did you what did you make of the game last night? Well, New Zealand they just keep finding a way to win, and uh, and they're playing through their superstars at the moment, especially Scotty Hobson, thirty one point seven rebound. And we talked about it a little bit of pregame show that. Uh, 36 minutes for four players. They only had one player outside of their bench score. Um, that was Brandon Ashley. Their import had 10 points. So their starters are getting the job done. And uh, credit to that whole organization for the turnaround and what they've been able to produce. I mean, we talked about early in the show, we weren't sure about the culture and, and, and I guess the pieces they had there. But, you know, they've got rid of a few guys and, and just found a way to win last night. It looked like Brisbane were, were in control at Tom's. But, you know, New Zealand kept it close and then just put the ball in their hands and their best player, Scotty Hobson, in the second half. And, uh, and he delivered. Yeah, you're right. Watching the game, the Bullets broke away to some some handy leads and it looked like they were going to be able to pull away. And Lamar Patterson didn't have a huge game because he was in foul trouble for a lot of it. But Nathan Sobey stepped up huge and had probably his best game of the season with, with the Bullets. They just looked like with the home court behind them, they were going to be able to pull away and they, they got off to a 10-0 start to open the game too. So they, they started on fire. The Breakers looked a little bit shaky early. They had some turnovers and the pressure the Bullets were putting on them was working, especially when they don't have a genuine point guard. They've got Scotty Hobson and Sec Henry running running things for them, especially now that Jared Weeks is out at the moment with his, his sore shoulder. But, yeah, the breakers just every time the Bullets threatened to break away, they would be able to pull back into the game to get it close. And then even when Patterson hit that big three late, which which I think put the Bullets up five, the breakers just come right back down the other end and, and answer. Scotty Hobson hit those those big shots every time he needed to. And, and then on the last play, he found Finn Delaney inside. Finn Delaney had a... Strong finish, and and that was that was pretty much the game. Every every time they had to find something, they found something, and they've just got guys stepping up to make make huge plays right now. Well, it's gonna make this last week of the season extremely interesting, and and you just got a feeling it's gonna come down to that that percentage, and uh, yep. those teams are right neck and neck. I think at the moment, New Zealand's got about a ten point 
difference percentage wise so these last couple games for brisbane if they lose they want to make sure it's a close one and they're gonna have to try and find one of these wins from their final games as well so it's uh you know you're right i think new zealand is in the driver's seat and the fact that they've got to play southeast melbourne phoenix that's their only game um and if they can get to that then it gives them uh, a great chance of getting to the finals, especially they've got the the percentage as well. So they they're going to have to be prepared to uh, to try and run the score up against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, and they'll be rooting for the Wildcats uh, mm. against against Brisbane as well on Sunday. Now, assuming New Zealand does win that game against the Phoenix next week, it pretty much means the Bullets have to not only win in Perth on Sunday this week, but they also have to beat the Cairns Taipans in Brisbane next next Saturday as well because. As, as you just touched on the break, is it just ahead on percentage? And they'll be hoping that they can run up that percentage a little bit more against the Phoenix as well. So assuming the breakers still end up on a higher percentage, assuming that they win next week against the Phoenix, they'll end up 15 and 13. So that means the Bullets will have to win both of these two games. Um, they're playing the second and third team on the ladder. One of them's at home, I know, but can they do it? Is this Brisbane team capable well, it, yeah, I think it's going to come down to that Cairns game. I think it's going to be tough for yeah. them to beat the Wildcats. You know, we've seen it before that the Wildcats have uh, had a couple shocking home losses this year. But heading into the finals, I think they'll be pretty switched on. So I expect them to get that one. To me, Cairns is also the interesting one because they got three games on the road now. Mm-hmm. They've got to finish the season at Adelaide at Melbourne, and then at Brisbane. So none of those games you're going to chalk up as a win, especially with the news out of Adelaide this week as well. So Mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, you could conceivably see uh, a thing where New uh, Cairns misses out on the finals as well. If if you've got three teams at 15 and 13, considering percentage, it could, uh, they could be out as well. Yeah, absolutely. That was my next question. Do you think the Taipans get one of those last three games? They have to just win one of those last three to, to make it, but they're going to be tough. Like you said, this Adelaide game now tonight is really tough because there's going to be a lot of emotion in that building in Adelaide. And then to finish at Melbourne, Melbourne still might be an outside chance to make the playoffs if they if they win that game on, on Thursday. And then they head to Brisbane where Brisbane might just have to win for their lives as well. Do, do the Taipans get, get one of these three? Well, you could almost see four teams at 15 and 13, actually, with yeah, United sure. as well uh, sneaking in there. They've got a pretty good run home playing Illawarra, and then obviously the Taipans, they play against them, and then the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So yeah. it's a, uh, a good run home for the United. So imagine if we have four teams at 15 and 13, the percentage. I mean, at the moment, Cairns has the best percentage, but, yeah. uh, you know, if they lose three straight, that's uh, that changes that dramatically so um no, uh, you know, i don't know if we've ever seen four teams for those final two spots uh and it being so close it's uh, it's going to no. be an exciting race to the finish and you know if you're the owner of the nbl you're excited mm. you know larry kesselman sure. has to be like the fact that it's so close they're you know as, as great a talented team as, as sydney kings are it's not like they've run away with this competition and uh just yeah. shows the depth and, and the players that we have in this league well, especially because the as the stakes rise, the quality of play r- rises as well. That game last night in Brisbane was was a playoff type game in every way you can imagine, and it ended up going right down to the wire. If you have a look at this game in Adelaide tonight, Adelaide and Cairns, you'd expect that to be a pretty exciting game. You have a look at tomorrow when and the game in Perth, Perth and the Brisbane Bullets is going to be fantastic as well, and and we've got huge games next week as well, starting with Melbourne and Cairns on the on the Thursday. It's, a, it's an exciting way to finish the season with pretty much the playoffs have already started for, for those four teams fighting for those spots. Yeah, it has.
yes, it's it, that's exactly what you want. And uh, you know, as a fan, it's uh, th- this is uh, this is exciting time of year, and, and I love it. And uh, and it just shows the strength of the league. We added another team in the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, but it hasn't diluted the talent, and uh, we're getting some fantastic product out there in the NBL. Now, there was plenty happening last week across the league. There's plenty for us to dissect. I'll quickly run through the results, and then we'll we'll get into some of the some of the, the newsy points of it. Last week's show, we had already dissected Melbourne United's Wednesday night win over the Perth Wildcats. Then on, on Friday, it was the New Zealand Breakers' big winners over the Adelaide 36ers in their last home game at Spark Arena for the season, 113-89. Cairns Taipans also beating the Illawarra Hawks in their last home game of the season, 99 to 75, and it was only fitting, I guess, days after the the horrible tragedy with Kobe Bryant that both of those teams won by by 24 points. It's just amazing how these things work out sometimes. Then Saturday, a huge game. The playoffs started pretty much with this game in Brisbane. The Brisbane Bullets held out Melbourne United to win 87 to 83. Then the Perth Wildcats, really really strong win. They played well, even if the Sydney Kings came without. Andrew Bogut and, and Craig Moller still not here and Diddy Lozada, but Kevin Lynch did come back. So it was a, a, an important win for the Wildcats, 110 to 100 over the Kings. And then let's, let's start with this game, Sean. New Zealand Breakers beat the Illawarra Hawks 65 to 52, but the game didn't finish. We had three minutes to go in the third quarter. We had heavy rain falling in Wollongong. It's it managed to come through the roof and and it was creating quite a, a little puddle at one part of the floor and it wasn't going to stop and the game had to be called off and... That's the way it was. The the result ended up standing, which I think was the right right result. But let's start with the the most obvious thing. If it was going to happen anywhere in the league, unfortunately, it's probably that building in Wollongong right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate that a game uh, gets marred like that. Uh, you know, obviously, if you get it past halftime, the the rules are that the game can be uh, can be completed and, and called a, a complete game. Yeah, I, I, you know that stadium's probably in need of repair and probably mm-hmm. not up to the level of the other stadiums that uh, around the league at the moment. You see Adelaide moving into their new stadium and it looks fantastic. It, you know, obviously Melbourne and Southeast Melbourne Phoenix playing in some some good arenas. Sydney Kings have moved moved out to Homebush and playing the Olympics. Yeah. So everyone's kind of taken that step up. Uh, you know, New Zealand Breakers went to the Spark Arena a number yeah. of years ago and, and just improved their quality. So you just got to look at that arena and is it time for them to upgrade that? I think when you start getting leaks in the roof it probably tells you that the case and uh hopefully if there's any good thing that comes out of it maybe it it brings some attention to that but let's Mm -hmm. let's get a proper nbl arena there at at illawarra if the town is going to support it so we know there's some some issues there between the owner and the league and possibly a change of hands so uh, i think there's going to be a lot of talk and discussion in illawarra about the future of that club and, and where it's headed um, in the NBL because it, it does feel like they're a little bit of a step behind, not only on the court, but but off the court in terms of, of the facilities and what they're able to provide. Well, this might be the breaking point where the league actually says to says to the club and says to, I guess, the, the region of Illawarra that if you want to still have an NBL club, then you have to upgrade your stadium. We've seen in the NBA before that the NBA's made a stand where if if a if city's not willing to build a new stadium like in in Seattle, then you lose your your, your franchise. So maybe the, the league just gives them an ultimatum: you either upgrade your stadium and and get things in order to make yourselves more competitive and 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 build yourselves up more and do everything you can to get more people to your games as well, 
or maybe you just lose your your franchise altogether. Well, it's a it's a tough one too. It's a catch twenty two because the stadium's probably thinking, well, we need to sell this stadium out. We've got need to know that the Hawks are going to be here if we're going to yep. spend all this money to upgrade it. Um, so maybe there's some negotiating that has has to happen there. But when I came into the league 2005, Illawarra was probably the toughest place. I would say Illawarra and Townsville were the mm-hmm. toughest places to play in the league. And uh, obviously Townsville is not in the league anymore. So uh, I'm a little surprised that the, the smaller towns um, have don't really get behind, you know, a big time professional league like the NBL in their town. It's, um, you know, hopefully, you know, we've been talking about for a number of years, but Hopefully the, the town there really steps up and says, let's back this team. Let's sell it out because they could make that a fortress. If they sold out, you know, it's not the, the nicest arena in the league, but if they sold that place out, it would be a tough place to play. But currently that's not the case. Yeah, I still remember when we went there in that 2010 Grand Final Series. That was the most hostile and loud crowd I've almost ever ever been 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 part of. And they had they sold that out, 5,000 people there, and I'm just not sure what's gone wrong in the 10 years since, but but let's hope that they do get it together. In terms of the result, do you think the league made the right decision in deciding that the result at the time that the game had to be stopped, that that stood? Is that the right decision? Well, it's probably the right decision, but uh, for a basketball purist, is there no other basketball stadiums in Illawarra? Could they just, uh, Mm. you know, they've got cars, they've got buses, let's go run over here, the refs are here. Let's just finish these last 13 minutes. Maybe we don't have the fans get over to the old snake pit. And uh, mm-hmm. let, let's actually finish this game game the right way. So I know that's probably a hard one to, to do, but you know there, I'm sure there's there's some rules and regulations that need to be put in place. But maybe maybe uh, in the future, hey, let's let, there's there's tons of basketball stadiums in, in every city across this country. So maybe we just skip over there and play it out. But I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure that that, that would be allowed. Um, that's the first time I've seen uh, a, a regular season game. I played in a few preseason games over in Puerto Rico where the roofs were uh, gushing through and they had to call the game. But <laughs> but an actual regular season game being called for, for water on the floor is a uh, mm. roof, roof leak. That's the first time I've seen it. Yeah, me, me too. The, I guess the, the, thing, the thing with it is, I guess because the Illawarra Hawks, their season's over, I guess that there was no point for them to – to bother fighting the decision because they, they have nothing to really gain. I mean, what's the difference between winning five or six games for a, for a season when you come down to it? But if, if this was a different different opponent, let's say this was last night's game where, where it was Brisbane that, that was behind and they had to win this game and with 30 minutes to go, you're only 13 points down. Um, three minutes before that, you're only six points behind. Would you fight this decision? Would you try to find a way to get the game restarted somewhere or... If the game actually meant something for the team behind, what what would you try to, to make happen? Well, I think probably logically, maybe the next day, let's get yep. together and let's let's play this game out from the, that point. You know, I think you need to reward yep. the team that was up. Um, I don't think you should be completely, unless it was before halftime, maybe you'd play the mm-hmm. whole game out, but, um, you know, you're only 13 minutes left in the game. Let's, let's maybe a... a a different venue if we're, if you're worried about the uh, the leak again, but let let's play that out. And I think maybe that yeah, I think that might have been the case if it had a lot more playoff implications. But it could actually have those playoff implications 
considering it could come down to percentage if uh, yeah, New sure. Zealand get this last win. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see how that that all plays out. But you know, if you're a league as well, you've got to probably come up with some. You know, I know there are things in place for something like this, but maybe just revisit that in the off season and say uh, if this happens again, what what's going to be the solution? Yeah, I think so too. That makes a lot of sense. But it was certainly a dramatic way to finish finish the round, but there was plenty of other things to talk about as well. And we had the NBL handing out a couple of fines. The Indigenous round right across the league was a fantastic success. I don't think you can look at it any other way. It was a tremendous show of respect to Indigenous culture, and I think every club did a great job of it. In some ways, it was marred by the comments by Paul Smith, the Sydney Kings owner, and certainly if you look at the statement that the Wildcats put out, the club felt like it was it was somewhat, somewhat tarnished by his comments calling into question, I guess, the design that the Wildcats used and hinting that they were using it to promote other things other than the Indigenous culture, which I think was a ridiculous comment to start with. Did it, did it in any way tarnish the Indigenous round, or, or what did you make of the whole situation? Well, then Paul's probably regretting um, the uh, the tweet that he had, just mm. talking about you know the Wildcats using that uh, the Indigenous round to promote their 33 finals appearances and nine championships. And you know, I thought I, the one thing I liked about the the Indigenous round was each each team's jersey had a story behind it. Sure. And uh, you know, I haven't seen that before. In others where, you know, an actual story. And, and that's, I think that's, that's awesome. You want to look at a jersey and say, all right, well, how do they come up with this design? And, uh, and I, I really liked it. I mean, I thought, thought it was creative. And, uh, you know, it, it sounded like Paul was a little upset at the halftime. They, they talked a couple minutes about the Wildcats jersey and how they came up with the design. And, and I thought it was, I thought it was, it was, it was a classy jersey. I, I really mm-hmm. liked the design and I liked the fact that there's a story behind it. And, and to me, yeah. the indigenous culture, there's so many stories with, with a lot of the things in their culture as well. So I know I've, I've gone out to some, some indigenous communities and, and done some basketball clinics and they'll tell me some stories behind you know certain things in their community and so stories is a big part of it so i'm i'm not sure that paul really understood what he what he was tweeting in, in that and yeah. i think it's disappointing from the league's point of view and, and the wildcats point of view and i think that they uh they, they made appropriate uh calls and and, and and punishments as well i think so too i think well done for not letting him get away with it because i just thought it was it was uncalled for i think for an owner it's okay to have your opinions but I think to 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 criticise something like that was was just wide of the mark. The other fine they handed out went to to Mitch Creek when he was back in Adelaide playing on on Saturday night, and he got into it with the the owner of, of the the thirty sixes and had some some words to say. I think I think it's fair to say that Mitch Creek won't be going back to the thirty sixes anytime soon. Yeah, well, I, you know, he didn't leave, and uh, there was a lot of a lot of things happened when he did leave the. The 36ers obviously getting the NBA contract and they didn't want to release him. And, and there was all this, this issue. And, you know, it's, uh, it's disappointing because you just kind of felt like when, when Mitch Creek was there, he really enjoyed that, the Adelaide, uh, yep. community. They got behind him. He just, uh, yep. he really promoted it well. So for me, it's, it's a bit disappointing on, on both sides because I felt like the, the fans loved Mitch Creek and I think everyone loved loved the way he played. He was the fans MVP that year, his last season yep. in Adelaide. So it's a, uh, you know, there's, there's some things going on there. Adelaide don't seem to, uh, everyone being 
gelling at the moment. No, that that leads us into the next next topic as well. Jerry Wright, he's about to coach his 500th NBL game when he comes to Perth for the for Adelaide's last game of the of the season next week. Um, but it looks like it's going to be his last game coaching Adelaide as well. Um, Body Body Nodge had the had the exclusive report, and I would suggest that his his news only came from one source, and and that's most likely coming straight from Joey. It, it's interesting timing. You can have a look at the way that this 36ers team has gone this year and clearly there's chemistry issues. And if you read between the lines, um, I don't think that the connection between the playing group and the and the coach has been that strong. You have a look at the frustrations that Joey's showing and even some of the things that he said post-match recently, including saying that they haven't, they haven't got as good Australian talent as the rest of the league and that they're clearly missing Ramon Moore when... There's certainly question marks to be asked about the whole Ramon Moore situation. That's that's probably a discussion for for another day. But it looks like Adelaide and Joey Wright have fallen out of out of love with each other. Is that the way you you read it? Would you expect these last two games of the season to to be his last in in charge of the Thirty Sixes? Well, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know the exact ends, and we haven't heard confirmation from Joey Wright or the Thirty Sixers. But I'd suggest that. You know, if there's a guy that knows the ends of Adelaide basketball, it's probably Bodie. So, uh, and, and it makes sense if you look at it from what's happened over the last couple of years. I think there's been some issues there with, with Nathan Sobey, you know, leaving and, and, you know, some of those best players that, uh, that kind of helped them get to the grand final kind of left there. And I'm not sure the whole reasons behind that, but there seems to be a lot of, um, a lot of animosity there. Um, between um, possibly the coach and the ownership group, and we know uh, Van Groningen's come come over there now mm-hmm. to to be a part of that. And so you know, the, whenever you add a, a new GM and that, they've got different ideas, and maybe it's time for for Joey to go another way. And then possibly he could just be a little bit burned out. I mean, seven straight years yeah. of the hell of an NBL club. And I think he's done a, a fantastic job. They weren't even sniffing to get into the NBL finals his first year. They came, got into the NBL finals there. Um, obviously lost to the the Wildcats. And then two years ago, I thought if, if Josh Childress hadn't gotten hurt in that grand final series, they were going to get that one. I was, I was covering yeah. all those games and I just felt like Childress was the difference maker. And it unfortunately got that shoulder injury in the grand final or you're, you're, probably the talk, five games. you're probably talking about the Adelaide 36ers having another championship banner up there. Yeah. So that's the difference sometimes. I mean, you got the coach, you've got good enough players, um, but an injury can, can be the difference. So, uh, you know, if this is his last game, I think Joey can, you know, hold his head up high for what he's been able to do at Adelaide and the players been able to produce um, has been outstanding. You would have played a lot of games against teams coached by Joey Wright. If I did the numbers, it's probably, I don't know, maybe maybe 60 or 70 games given he was coaching the Bullets when you started, then he went to the Gold Coast Blaze and now he's been in, in Adelaide as well. What was it like playing against teams coached by Joey Wright and did you ever have any sort of a, a run in with him? Oh, look, Joey's teams, I mean, they're just um, probably similar to the way Adelaide, you know, back in the Gold Coast, they were going to get up and and run and gun and try and outscore you. I guess from a player's point of view, that's the way you want to play. You know, he was always intense on that sideline, seemed to maybe have a couple guys where he was a little bit more intense with than others. Mm -hmm. But uh, the one thing I thought Joey always, he knew how to kind of, 
get the best out of his team. He knew how to yeah. kind of pull those, you know, whether if they were struggling and, and had a bad game, had them up at training the next day, you know, you hear stories or some of the uh, epic sprays that I heard walking by the change rooms, <laughs> either at halftime or after a game, if, if things hadn't gone their way, you, you could just see he knew how to, I guess, pull those strings to get the best out of his team. And, and it was always a tough, tough beat against those guys. I think he had, you know, obviously that team he had in Brisbane, I still say was the the probably the most talented team and probably the best team I ever played against in my NBL career when they had Sam McKinnon, CJ Bruton, um, Ebi Ari. They, they just had an, an outstanding yeah. uh, lineup and they knew how to play together and uh, almost unbeatable. I think they went 20 straight wins. So um, credit to him uh, for... For, for a lot of success in this league and 500 games in the NBL as a head coach, that's, he must be doing something right. Now, it looks like his 500th game will be his last of the 36s and it'll be in Perth and it'll be with you with the microphone in hand when you have to talk to him at some point during the afternoon. Will you put the question to him if it hasn't, in fact, been confirmed by that point or how are you going to approach talking to him next week? Well, that'll, that will be interesting. Uh, mm. We'll have to. That, that's a little bit of a delicate one. Um, maybe we'll see hear more of it uh, coming out this week. I'm sure there might be some press conferences after their game against Cairns as this is kind of the first time it's been reported. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the fans want to know what, what's happening yeah. in Adelaide. Most likely they're not going to make the finals. So you're probably going to have to ask that question. Now, we know Joey's not not always the most uh, outright <laughs> giving giving away things, especially to reporters at halftime. So uh, yeah. it'll uh, – you know, obviously, at the the right time, we'll see if uh, if we can find out those answers. Probably your first big test as a as a sideline reporter to put a hard question to somebody. So we'll see how you go. Another thing I wanted to get get some thoughts on the league released their award nominees th- this week as well. We'll we'll have the award winners announced in a couple of weeks' time. I think it's during the the FIBA window when when that that'll be held. In a couple of weeks, we'll we'll give our award winners as well and what we think. We've, we've done that at the start of the season. We did it at the midway point of the season as well. So for now, I want to go through each award and just get our get our top three candidates for each each award, if you can, can bear with me, Sean. So let's start with the MVP award. Do you see anybody except Bryce Cotton, Scott Machado and Lamar Patterson being genuine candidates for that? No, I think you just throw those three in there. I mean, obviously, Scotty Hobson, but I'm just not sure he's played enough games with the injury. Mm-hmm. So outside yep. of that, I think I don't think there's anyone else that could probably get it. Obviously, Bogut's been injured, just hadn't had the impact that he had last year as well. I'll just run through the nominees. Andrew Bogut, Bryce Cotton, Cam Oliver, Casper Ware, Daniel Johnson, DJ Newbel, Jerome Randall, John Robeson. Jay Sean Tate, Lamar Patterson, Mitch Creek, Nick Kay, Scotty Hobson, Sean Long, and Scott Machado. Does anyone surprise you that's on that list or that isn't on that list? No, not, 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 that's not on the list. The one outside chance I would say would be Jay Sean Tate. He's probably the most surprising that's in that surprising from the start of the season, not the way sure. he's played. I think he belongs in that. And uh, and the way Sydney's playing, I think he's been a catalyst to uh, to to a lot of the stuff that they've been able to to get done this year and the success that they've had. Yeah, and I think he definitely belongs all NBL first team as well as the as the power forward. So we'll see how that plays out. A couple of couple of ones that are very tough to pick. These next two most improved player. I know when we did our mid season picks, it was really tough to narrow it down to to an option. The nominees are Anthony Drimmick, Dane Pino, 
Majuk Deng, Mirko Jerich, Sean Bruce, Sunday Desh, and Will Magne. We won't pick our winner just yet, but who who's the top three from that from that that stands out? Jeez, I, I reckon you almost got to go with the top. You know, I think you're Keno, right. Obviously, the the way yep. he's played, uh, Magne's been been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Sunday Detch, you know, I just think that there's uh, and obviously Sean Bruce. And Bruce. So yeah, I would throw those four, and uh, you got a feeling it'll come probably between Magne and Pino. But um, you know, I mm-hmm. think that those other gods have uh, definitely have a case case to be had for as well. Yeah, absolutely. Then the other one that's tough, the best six man. We'll go go through the list. Brandon Ashley, Clint Steindl, Daniel Kickett, Eric Griffin, Jason Kadee, Kyle Adnam, Mirko Jerich, but with an asterisk. I think if he if he keeps starting as he has been, then I think he becomes ineligible. Nate Jarwai, Sean Bruce, and Will Magne. Uh, yeah, I can't pick that one. And this is just me, my personal opinion. Let's throw the imports out because I don't think mm-hmm. – I don't know. I just it, it, it's never sat well with me when the import is your six man, um, sure. and they get odd. That's not the you know that I don't know. Everyone doesn't believe that. But that's just my yeah. personal personal theory on that. Um, and and so, in fairness, I think Eric Griffin's probably been too inconsistent to win it anyway. And maybe Brandon Ashley has been in foul trouble too much anyway to 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 be a genuine candidate any, anyway. So let's chuck those two out. Yeah, I mean, Sean Bruce has been really good. Steindl at Tom's has been outstanding yep. for the Wildcats. I think Nate Jawas, you know, provided yeah. probably he doesn't play as many minutes as some of the others. So, yeah, it's a, has to that's be a tough mix. one. And Kadi, yeah, he, he, you know, he's hit or miss, but probably his um, his consistency will hurt him a little bit there. But, yeah, he's been, been outstanding um, in some games for, for Brisbane. So, and Will Magne. You know, he mm. was on the bench for a lot, but now he's kind of started since they kind of made bit, that yeah. run. So, you know, can is he still eligible? I don't know if he starts the rest of the games. We'll see that as yeah. well. Yeah, that, that, that's probably the toughest one out of out of them all to tip. So it'll be fascinating to see who who wins it. Um, one that I don't think is tough to tip. I think there's a, there's one standout candidate, but we'll go for a top three for now. Defensive Player of the Year on the list is Andrew Bogut, Cam Oliver, Casper Ware. Dane Pino, DJ Newbull, Mitch McCarran, Sunday Desh, and Will Magne. Who are the top three that stand out to you? Well, I really like Magne, what he's doing yeah. on the defensive end. I think DJ well, Newbull. My only question, Mark, is has he done it long enough? Has he only done it in the last month, or yeah. has he been strong defensively all season? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Um, you know, I really like the way DJ Newbull's played um, yeah. on the defensive end. Bogut, I mean, you got to throw throw him in there. Mm-hmm. Did they say Tate? Is Tate no. in there as well? No. See, I, I really no. like Tate as a defender. So, yeah. and who, who, who's your who's your pick? I'm interested to see because I don't think it's I, as I clear think DJ Newell has been the standout defender this season. I think he's he's locked down all of the the best best offensive weapons from a guard point of view at the Taipans, and I, I just think he's been massively important for everything that they've done up in Cairns. So, I think he's been the standout. Um, no Perth Wildcats player nominated. I think we both thought that Damien Martin was still well and truly in the mix at the halfway point. He obviously hasn't played since then, so he's fallen out of the mix. The Wildcats were disappointed. Trevor Gleeson came out and talked about that during the week. That they at least didn't have somebody nominated. But realistically, did they have anybody that should be should be in the mix? I, nobody stands out to me. 
I like Nick K as a defender and maybe, maybe we're being boss because we get to see him on a weekly basis there, but he's just always in the right position and just good hands, good, good defender, good, you know, he's strong bodied, good rebounder. Uh, You know, he doesn't block shots. He doesn't get a ton of steals. He's, he's up there in, in the amount of steals. I just think position wise, he's one of the better defenders and obviously Bryce Cotton, I think his defense is underrated. You know, he's leading the league in steals and, uh, and, to me, that's tough to do when you're also the the, the best offensive player in the sure. competition as well. So sometimes you, you you put a lot of energy to be able to come off screens and get get up there. But you know, credit to him, he still he still puts in works and not and not in a way that puts your team at a disadvantage. You know, Allen mm-hmm. Iverson used to lead the NBA in steals, but I never thought he was a fantastic mm. defender he would gamble yeah. a lot whereas i think bryce yeah. is is pretty smart with that so maybe i'm not sure he would win the award but you know i can see where one of those you know i still think damian martin when he's healthy is is the best on-ball defender in the league and, yeah. and does the most from a defensive presence point of view but i still would have maybe had bryce cotton or nick k at least nominated last one coach of the year let's just assume all nine coaches are, are nominated to me i i if I went for a top three, it's probably Will Weaver, Mike Kelly, and then whoever ends up making the top four, whether it's Dan Shamir or, or Andre Lamarnes, I think if whichever of those two end up making the playoffs, they would have done a terrific job. I'm not sure if we can wait to find that out or not, but to me, that would be the top three. Is there any, anyone I've missed? No, I mean, I think Trevor Gleason gets done hard or hard done by just being a sure. Wildcats coach and what they expect. But I, this year, I don't think... It's not even going to be close. I think Mike Kelly wins that one hands down, um, unless there's a collapse with the Cans tie fans towards the end of the year. Well, if, they but, miss, if they miss out, yeah. Um, you know, what he's been able to do, they, they only won five games last year and he turned it around. So credit to him. I think that's a, that one will be a shoe-in. I think so too. I just think Will Weaver deserves credit as well. It's not always easy to coach a team full of superstars. In some ways, it's probably harder to coach a team full of players with big egos and, and big pay packets than it is to coach a team that with that's less caliber and less got less superstars in it. So I think the way he's been able to pull the Sydney Kings together to get them play as a team, to get them play playing so well defensively and to be on top of the ladder for every round of the season I think deserves a lot of credit. So I think he can't be discredited, but I but I'm like you, I still think I think Mike taking a team from first into the playoffs and to make them from a team that was way, way off the mark last year to now a a team that's beaten beaten everybody in the, in the competition. I think he clearly the standout, and and hopefully we'll take it out. Yeah, well, I mean, you talk about Will Weaver as well. I mean, the City Kings they had Andrew Gaze, the greatest Australian basketballer mm. ever, coaching them last year, and uh, and then they brought in Will Weaver, and with a similar lineup, obviously made that change at point guard, which I think has been good, and and obviously Didi Lazada coming in, but pretty similar players and skill packet. But they've, uh, you know, he's done a great job with them, and y- you know, you're right. I think most years he'd probably done enough to get it, but just the way uh, Mike Kelly's been able to change that team and, and the culture over over the last 12 months um, gets him gets him the award. Yeah, I think so too. Now that's a that's a breakdown on at least who's eligible to win the awards. Once the season finishes next week, we'll we'll have a show and we'll discuss on who we think is the actual award winners as well, and see how it compares to what we thought at the start of the season and what we thought of the midway point as well because I, I dare say it'll be a fair bit different so we'll we'll keep you informed on that so let's keep moving Sean and we're of course here thanks to Hoops Heaven and as I mentioned at the start of the show head to hoopsheaven.com.au and use the very special code word HUSTLE 
and you'll get a, get a terrific thanks to our great partners at, at Hoops Heaven. So check them out on their website or indeed if you're, you're in Perth, check out the store in person at, at Murray Street and, and they'll, they'll take care of you there. So thanks again to the team at Hoops Heaven for making this show possible once again, Sean. And let's move into our preview. So we've got four more games across the rest of this weekend, starting starting on Saturday with Melbourne United, the Illawarra Hawks. First home game for a while, I guess, at least with the roof open for, for Melbourne now that the Australian Open's finished. If they want to stay any chance of the playoffs, they just have to win this game. And, and because of how important percentage is, they have to win by a pretty big margin too, you would think. Yeah, I think Melbourne United are going to come out and the way they, uh, you know, Illawarra Hawks have been struggling a little bit. They're uh, just looking at the odds. Melbourne United's a dollar eight favorite. So uh, mm. I think they're pretty well backed there to, to get the job done. I expect a big win from Melbourne United. Then we've got the Adelaide 36s and the Cairns Taipans. As we talked about at the top of the show, the Taipans have to win one more game. This is probably their best chance out of the three, you would, you would suggest, but... Yeah, with all the emotion floating around in Adelaide with what's happening with Joey Wright, the fact that it's their last home game, it's all it's always tough to beat a beat a team on their home floor when they're playing their last home game because they want to send off their home fans for the season on a good note. Um, this one's really tough to tip. This one is, uh, you're right. I just think Adelaide, I know them at home. I know Joey Wright's going to have them get them ready for, the, for their last home game of the year. And just with the news coming out, I think the team the team is going to really want to play for, for Joey Wright and, and kind of send them out, if that's the case, on a high, especially in front of the Adelaide faithful. So it's a big game for Kandra Wright. I think that that's the one they've got to try and get. Um, is probably going to be the easiest one, but I expect Adelaide to get this one. No, no, I think I agree. I just think with all the emotion going around that the the 36ers play play great when they are full of emotion like that. So I think they're going to come out and, and, and finish their home season on a high. They they then very well could come out and put in a stinker next week in Perth, but I think they'll at least put in a, a good performance for this one. Um, then on Sunday, South East Melbourne Phoenix hosting the Sydney Kings. Not a whole lot to play for for the Kings given... Top spot's pretty much guaranteed, but they'll want to get Andrew Boger back in the lineup, potentially Diddy Lozada, and they'll want to just, just keep their winning form going and bounce back from that loss in Perth last week. Yeah, well, they'll probably want to get more minutes for Kevin Lish as well. He only played yep. eight minutes, you know, hit the game opening bucket <laughs> against mm. the Wildcats, but we didn't see him much much after that. So it's it's a big couple of weeks for Sydney Kings because you want to be playing good basketball. You want to be gelled with all your players. They're all They're starting to get them all healthy. Um, and uh, and they're gonna they're gonna want a good performance there against the the Phoenix, who uh, you know just been a, a tough second half of the season after such a hot start. So yeah, I wouldn't put it past the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix to really mm-hmm. challenge in this one because they got that capability, especially with Roberson uh, coming off and shooting a three, and we know that. The, the bigs from from the Sydney Kings don't really like to get out there and show. You know, Bryce Cotton has had a field day against them. So whenever you got a shooter, if Roberson can go for 30 and hit a lot of threes, it, it would give them a chance. But I expect Sydney Kings to get this one. Mm-hmm. Last up, this is a massive game for both clubs. Perth Wildcats hosting the Brisbane Bullets. The Wildcats, they still need to win one of their last two games to make sure that they finish at least in second. I guess it, if they win their last two and Sydney lose their last two, they can still even finish on top. So they need to... Need to keep their winning form form going, and and good news as well with it looking like Damien Martin will be back in the lineup for his first game, back from his from his injury as well. So that's a that's a nice bonus, and probably bad news for for Nathan Sobian 
and Jason Cadegan, the guards at, at the Bullets. But, yeah, for Brisbane, now that they lost that game on, on Friday night, this becomes a must-win game for them because they don't want to have to put the pressure on on winning that, that game next week against Cairns. If they can take care of business for this game in Perth, then it takes a lot of the pressure off. Well, we've seen Brisbane actually get a couple of games here in Perth over the last couple of years. So yeah, we have. They're, they're, they're capable of that. I just think the, the game on Friday night would have had a lot of emotion to that. It's going to be a tough. They're going to have to get off to a good start in that one to be able to compete. And we saw the Wildcats last week uh, fall down 10-11-2 before uh, Trevor Gleason called that timeout and got his troops going. So I don't expect the Wildcats to, to be asleep at the start of this one. And, and they're going to want to try and get a big win as well. You know, it could come down to percentages if the Sydney Kings, I don't think they'll lose one of these games, but um, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see this last week how these teams play the percentage thing as well. So uh, I'm excited. I'll, I'll be courtside for the uh for this one and i'm excited to be be back courtside and, and being a, a part of it i wanted to ask you about that it's been a long time since you've done a game courtside do you remember what to do yeah it has you know i think it's been before christmas so uh yeah. just the way the schedule worked with Lockie and i was supposed to do the the australia day weekend one but i was away coaching so we we swapped on that one so yeah i'm excited i miss being sideline and courtside and hopefully uh hopefully i'm just hopefully it's a good game i think two teams with a lot riding it should be uh played at a high level yeah looking forward to it they play to talk about it's 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 always good to do it mid-round so so we can dissect the friday night game and there was no better game probably so far this season for us to look back on than that Brisbane Bullets, New Zealand Breakers game last night, especially with what was riding on it. And now we've got four more big games that we've previewed for the rest of the round. So it's been, been another good show, Sean. Thanks for joining me again. And thanks for thanks for making it happen to Hoops Heaven. Head to hoopsheaven.com.au and use that code word HUSTLE and you'll get a special discount. Also, thank you to the support of ID Athletic, who are t- a tremendous apparel provider for all of your basketball uniforms. So head to idathletic.com for more information from them and and certainly check them out and they come highly recommended because they they outfit Redditch basketball and 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 your team Sean very well and and of course Devlin's for all of your all of your items you can ever want for the men in your life or if you want to go and treat yourself to to something whether it's anything from a cigar to a to a tie to a bow tie to a to a to a shot glass, to to a, to a ring, to whatever you can imagine that wants to make you feel a bit better about yourself. Head into Devlin's in Subiaco or devlinsonline.com.au. But another big show, Sean. Thanks again for joining me. Hopefully everybody enjoyed listening to Hoop7's Basketball Hustle once more. What can you leave us with for this week? Oh, thanks, Mikey. I'm just looking forward. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams play play out these games with the percentage uh, obviously the NBL changed the rule a few years ago so it's going to come down to this so thanks for joining us and we'll, we'll be back next week Bye, have a great time.